This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. It's the Midday Show. Hugh Douglas, Joe Gilly. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. Get back to all your phone calls on the Sixers. Can they win this thing with this version of Joel Embiid? Yes. I don't feel the same. We'll get back to that. And, of course, the Phillies, four-game losing streak, swerving the leadoff spot, and the pitching is just a disaster right now. But right now, let's go out and talk to our guy on the Sixers, Kyle Newback of Philly Voice, and, of course, the Clap Your Hands podcast. Kyle, how you doing today? Hanging in there, Joe. How are you guys doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So, Kyle, i you right out the box. How did you think Joel Embiid looked last night? I think he looked okay. I honestly think he looked better physically than I think I was expecting. The The area that I think he needs work on and the reason you wanted to bring him back sooner rather than later is that I didn't think the aggression was there from him on offense. I thought, and Doc Rivers said this after the game, he deferred a little too much. He looked like a guy who was walking back into a team that had a great offensive game one and was a little unsure of himself. They need him to go out there and be, you know, look, I know that he's physically compromised a little bit right now, but he can't give them anything less than the 100% aggression Joel Embiid that led the NBA in scoring. Or, you know, if if he's going to be out there and looking like that and and kind of deferring to other guys, passing to Tobias Harris a whole bunch, like that's just not going to get it done. Kyle, I have a theory, and I'm curious if you agree with the way I'm framing it and how they make this up. So, I looked at the six games these two teams have played this year against each other. Five of them Embiid has played in, one he hasn't. The six, the Celtics have shot more threes in, in a lot of these games by a considerable margin, like last night. In all the games Embiid has played, the Sixers shot more threes in the game Embiid didn't play. Kyle, it feels like a math problem that the only way they can make up those points is if Embiid scores a lot. Like, So what, what do you think about this? Do you think this is an issue here, that the Celtics just play at a faster pace and jack up a whole lot more threes? Well, so some of it, Joe, is just taking advantage of the looks that they're getting. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a, a, a pretty large handful last night of shots that, you know, P.J. Tucker, George Niang, different role players had and just didn't take. And look, like in the playoffs, you're not going to be as open as you are in the regular season. Your guys need to be comfortable taking, if they're not strongly contested threes, at least lightly contested threes. You've got to be willing to live with the pressure there. And so that's the easy thing. But, yeah, I mean, look, some of a, a big chunk of their offense, I would say, is going to rely on Joel Embiid attacking, getting to the rim, and whether he's scoring, he's getting fouled, or he's drawing pressure in so that he can create more of those open threes for teammates. That's got to happen 
somehow, some way. I did think we saw some good passing from him on the move last night, which that doesn't tend to be a strength of his. But, look, they need him to be – he can't be a guy taking nine shots, scoring like 15 points. That is simply not a recipe for success for this team. When you, when you talk about speaking of recipe for success, what do you feel like is the sweet spot for this team to have success with Joel and being out there on the court? So I, I just – I, I don't think they need to overcomplicate it. I think they have been able to get him to his spots and score throughout the season against this team. I did think last night they got away from him catching the ball at the elbows, and there was more of him in the post where it's easier to double him, to turn him over. And so some of it is just getting back to that basic pick-and-roll offense, James Harden, Joel Embiid, and they're just running their stuff that they've done all year. And Doc said it last night, this is not a team that should be having some kind of crisis of confidence or identity. The team with Joel is the team they've been for the vast majority of the year. And so I think this is really just about getting back to basics on offense, Joel locking in mentally. Certainly James Harden playing much better than he did in game two. He had a horrible night in Boston after a uh, sensational game one. I really don't think this is that complicated, though, for the Sixers. The role players will play better at home. They should be better overall at home. And, look, this is their opportunity. You steal game one so that you can take care of business at home. Kyle, let's talk about James Harden, because like you said, it was a spectacular game one and then a dud in game two. If you had to put a percentage, you know, like 50-50, 90-10, however you want to do it, on why we saw such a different Harden. So let me give you the two options. One he just didn't have as much rest. You know, we've seen some of the numbers. When he has extended rest, he, he does better. And obviously extended rest from the first series to the second one and then just one game. And the other part of it is Embiid was back, and he was just more deferential. I don't think he took his first shot until like five minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, of those two things, why do you think it was so drastic game one and game two? Yeah, so I would lean more toward the rest component where, look, it, it obviously is going to affect James <laughs> He only has one day between the games compared to having essentially a week and a half off. He's not going to be exploding past guys, getting to the rim, things like that. But certainly there's a, a, a large percentage, we could say 30 40%, where he's trying to figure things out just as Joel was, just as Tyrese was. Every guy on the roster is trying to reintegrate this just giant piece on the team. And the shot looks are different. I think Boston made some subtle adjustments with, you know, when they're sending a second guy at James to try to get the ball out of his hands. I think certainly some of it, too, was when James was the, uh, the de facto leader on the floor with Joel on the bench, it, they were just not getting much out of the role players. A guy like Jalen McDaniels is getting some shots as they're doubling James, and you know, he didn't do anything with them. So, you know, it's, it's a collective effort. All these failures, like we can say – James wasn't good enough. Joel wasn't good enough. It was a total team loss last night. There's nobody that you walk away from that game from saying, man, that guy really, really left it all out there. That was a bad, bad performance. But luckily, because they won game one, they're still in a good spot. When you look at Joel and, and, and how that brace affected him, did you notice that it bothered him at all? I'm not sure if you talked about it after the game. It, it seemed like he, he – Early on, he kept touching it, and maybe it was just uncomfortable. He was trying to move it up and down. That feels like something he's going to have to get used to here, however however long this goes. Yeah, it, it looked to me like that was more of a discomfort thing than a real you know, limitation on his game. Certainly, I had my concerns coming into the game, 
But once you see him go up and get that block on Jalen Brown, trying to dunk at the rim in the first half, that's when I said to myself, like, okay, that he can get up there. He's not that timid in terms of exploding off the knee and, and challenging guys at the summit. So that, to me, was a great sign. Now, really, the big deal is, and we'll find out in you know a couple hours or so when we talk to Doc Rivers at the practice facility, what does Joel feel like today? Is he dealing with swelling? How does his body react and respond to playing in that game last night? They didn't play on big minutes, but you know the response to playing in the game is as important as how he felt and how he looked in that game last night. My question to you is this. Game three, what is your gut telling you? I know it's a little bit early. You've got time to change, change your, your feeling, but what is your gut telling you about game three? I think it – absolutely is a must win for the Sixers. And I I think the same is true of game four. I think they need to win both of these games at home, because if you don't win these games at home, essentially you've squandered the advantage you created by winning game one, like that, all the good vibes, the James Harden performance, and we're getting the MVP back, blah, 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 blah. None of that means anything. If you can't take care of business at home, because then you go back to Boston tied 2-2, or at worst, you're down 3-1 to one in the series. They could potentially close you out. I do think that all the momentum should be, hot, be behind the Sixers. Joel is going to get his MVP trophy. The crowd is going to be going crazy knowing this is a giant opportunity for the franchise. The role players are going to play better. But, Hugh, I think you probably know this. Sometimes if a crowd is that amped up, if the team is too amped up, the emotions can work against you if you don't get off to a good start. There's a lot of nervous energy mm-hmm. that can circle around the building. There's tension. Guys feel that in the huddle. Certainly the fans feel that in the stands. And so I think it's imperative that the Sixers get off to a good start on Friday night. Kyle, we had a call earlier speaking about the energy and, and what, this game obviously coming up here tomorrow night who mentioned that you know, he was disappointed in Doc because the guys didn't look like they responded, and even the Sixers acknowledged the energy was more on the on the Celtics' side. Where do you come down on that? I mean, it, it, the way I feel is like it's like you just described the scene. Those guys should be fired up. I, I don't think like it's up to Doc to get them fired up for tomorrow night. Like There should be some natural energy to Game 3 in a 1-1 series in that building tomorrow night. No, look, I, I always put motivation, I'd say 90%, on the players. These guys are professionals. They know they're here to, to do a job. And they know Doc and, and all these guys knew coming into game two, Boston's going to throw a haymaker. They're trying to get back in this series. They don't want to go down 2-0. They clearly weren't ready for that. And, you know, that's on all of them for not being ready for the moment. Now they have a chance to reset, to refresh, bring a better approach into game three. And, and look, even with that discrepancy in, in effort and 50, 50 plays and things like that, Boston only got like two more offensive rebounds than the Sixers did over the course of that game. I think the bigger deal is that the margins at the three-point line, as you mentioned earlier, Joe, were just so significant that it washed away basically everything else. And so the Sixers have a lot of making up well, there's no doubt about it. Kyle, we always appreciate hopping on. Enjoy game three tomorrow. We'll be uh, listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast and, of course, reading over Philly Voice. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having me on, guys.